0: I'm hurrying! I'm hurrying! Damn it! I'm going as
1: fast as I can. Hi, welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen on a Super Bowl Sunday. Sean, what are you doing?
0: Uh, just finished watching Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them.
1: Oh, it was all right. How did how did y'all like it? How did the wife
0: like it first? Long. Oh, she liked it. She wants more. She's happy that there's probably going to be more movies.
1: Yeah, they did kind and, of set it up that way.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well,
0: and it's funny that they mentioned that there's an American version of Hogwarts. You wonder if they could ever do a take on that.
1: Um. Yeah, that was a big thing. She announced, uh, like, through Pottermore, whenever she was doing all this, she uh, announced it. Gave I don't even remember the school's name, but a lot of people were... Happy about that. You can even go online, I think, and determine which house you'd be in, in the American one. Which I did, uh, one of the people I work with had me go ahead and do the registration on Pottermore, and I'm like Ravenclaw, and I have a, what is my Patronus? Like a cougar, mountain lion or something. I don't know. Way to
0: go. Good job. Yeah, but uh, seriously, how did
1: you feel about the movie?
0: It was good. I mean, I liked it. I, I thought all the special effects were awesome, and uh, the story was fun, you know? I, I was sad about the uh, the non-madge, the muggle, having his uh, memory taken away.
1: Yeah, that you was know, sad. I really liked his character. I thought he would just be comic relief and boring. He was really good. He, he, he was a pleasant surprise.
0: Yeah, he was good, and uh, the Flash wasn't bad. I really liked the Flash. Ezra Miller.
1: <sighs> yeah, I was... I was kind of upset to see um, the main antagonist is not going to continue in the rest of the movies because I I was kind of I, I kind of liked him in that role and then of course his role changed <laughs> now with
0: <laughs> yeah
1: spoilers but um, yeah I was kind of sad to not not see him continue so I, I want to see the next movies I'm I'm kind of inspired by it you know and uh, well I guess we won't talk about the the. Yeah the the end so, we'll we'll yeah well like another month we'll talk about it it'll be fun yeah
0: and also this week uh I've had a chance to catch up on some of my TV viewing and movie viewing that I've been wanting to do and I had opportunity and took advantage of that this week and I think we both saw the same movie this week. Yeah, I have a. I there. had
1: some credit on the PlayStation Store, so I went ahead and last night just bought Justice League Dark, and watched it with Logan, and it was really good. What What was your take on it?
0: I liked it, dude. Uh, I like the fact that Constantine's a total dick, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's fun to watch the uh, chemistry between him and Anna there. I liked it. It was a good movie.
1: Yeah, you know, I like the fact that, uh, of course, it was uh, Matt Ryan. All right, yeah, uh, I was very happy to see Matt Ryan come back uh, for The Voice. I I hope they continue to build John Constantine where he's back on television. I really loved the series uh, that he was in. In fact, in Justice League Dark, they mention... Uh, there's an incident that some people always keep holding over his head in the series, and it is mentioned in the Justice League Dark animated movie. Uh, yeah, something oh, happened, awesome. and and he like he lost a, like an innocent girl, like was being possessed, and she died, and that's the incident they keep referring to, and they referred to it in this one, and I was I was I, w- <laughs> I was very happy to see that, and uh, I thought it was a good story. I really liked that Batman was just thrown in the middle of it. And he was very sarcastic and, I mean, he believed everything that was going on, but he didn't like it.
0: Yeah, his character feeling totally out of place felt good in the movie. Like, I liked the fact that he was totally out of his element and had no clue what was going on the entire movie. Yeah. Very good, though. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out Sleek like Dark. It's worth the watch, which, you know, DC doesn't disappoint, usually on...
1: Now, tell me about uh, something I didn't think I'd be interested in, but uh, Riverdale?
0: Okay, Riverdale. I, uh, I decided that one of us has to do this, and uh, I have jumped headfirst into another CW teen drama, Riverdale, which tells the modern story of Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, Reggie, and Moose and on the cw on the cw um it's very cw it is uh i can tell right now it's going to be a murder mystery a whodunit right now is apparently the story of the first season and uh we're trying to figure out what happened and who was there and let me tell you it is a definite modern take on archie uh not to give away any spoilers but let's say uh, Archie knows how to get down with all the ladies, even the teachers.
1: See that's just weird because I mean Archie has always been well it's happy days that's what that's what Archie is it, it's it's happy days and you're telling me you're taking happy days and you're putting it on CW and making it vampire Diaries. <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's just it's kind of mind-bending, but I mean, that's that's CW's MO though. Every show on the CW starts very CW and sometimes stays that way. And then if it's successful, it may break out like The Flash isn't very CW. It's more comic book. Um, Supernatural isn't very CW. Now it has a it has a certain CW humor to it. But uh, those successful shows kind of make their own thing, and the rest of them were just, oh, it's vampires on the CW. It's, uh, oh, it's vampires again on the CW. Oh, it's it's uh, all-girls show on the CW. Oh, it's all-boys show on the CW. You know, it's it's very cookie-cutter unless the show is really successful, really popular, and they're allowed to stray outside that box. Well,
0: I can, I can say I watched the first two episodes of Riverdale, and... It does hold the cookie cutter. I, I mean, I see totally what you're saying, and I think it could be a cookie cutter, but I think I'm gonna keep watching to give it opportunity to break out of the box. So I, I'm gonna keep
1: watching, man. And uh, see now, if if you're telling me it's holding your interest, that does make it very interesting to me. But but here's
0: the thing: I'll I'll watch it with my wife and. You know, she she likes she loves CW shows. Like she likes all their content. She likes Vampire Diaries. She liked uh whatever the other Vampire Diaries movie or show was on there. The originals. Yeah, yeah, she liked that one. So if she likes this too, then I can watch it and I buy into the cheese man every now and then. It's sometimes it's okay to shut off your brain and watch some cheese. And that's what this is and who knows. I'll see how many Weeks I can keep going, and if it's a good show, who knows? Maybe I'll actually grow to, you know, really become super invested in the story and see how it turns out.
1: Nice. Speaking of super invested stories, I wanted to bring up a comic story this week, but it's not just one story. I want to talk about a run of comics by a particular artist and writer, Walter Simonson. Now, do you know who this is?
0: I know the name. I could not relate the content.
1: Uh, Well, Walter Simonson has a very distinct art style. Um, He worked on uh, X-Factor for a while. He worked on several, several books in in Marvel that I could name. Now, he also worked in DC a little. Uh, But he had the defining run on Thor. And, uh, of course, Thor was a successful comic from, you know, the 60s on. But when Walter Simonson took over the book... It became a different beast. It's like it's like when John Byrne took over the Fantastic Four. There's a defining look, a defining style the the Norse mythology kind of rang with his art and suddenly you began to get all of these epic stories from like he in his run was. Ragnarok in his run was uh, the Ballad of Beta Ray Bill, the uh, redemption and uh, death of, of the executioner, and their defining moments in the Thor story. Now, now of course there was Frog Thor was also in that run. It's just really epic, good storytelling. I mean, from from the Ballad of Beta Ray Bill. Uh, he even makes a, in that particular comic, there is a Superman reference. Kind of, you could kind of say Superman shows up in the in the Thor comic. It, it's really funny to see. Uh, and, and, really? Yeah, uh, and, and I'll tell that little story. Um, at the beginning of the comic, of course, uh, there's this ship lands on Earth. Uh, Nick Fury gets in touch with Thor. Thor goes to the ship. Uh, he battles, uh, Beta Ray Bill, uh, he's the protector of the ship, and he drops, he throws his hammer and it lands, and, and Bill picks up the hammer and gains the powers of Thor, and at this time, Thor was still using a, um, uh, uh well, no, he wasn't using Donald Blake, because he loses his powers whenever Beta Ray Bill picks up the hammer, and he's stuck, because Odin calls him to, um, uh, Asgard thinking it was Thor of course but he just summoned the hammer and whoever was attached to it and so Nick Fury picks up Thor and uh, he gives him some glasses and <laughs> so oh my as, goodness. as he's walking out he bumps into somebody named Clark who's wearing glasses and a suit and is a reporter and uh, uh, somebody, somebody named Lois goes Clark come on let's go it's
0: it, pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it, it was it's very funny. But of course, that leads into the Battle of Better Bill story where Bill uh is in Asgard and fights, you know, Odin, and you know, he is he's the protector of his people, and he wants this great weapon to protect his people, and he 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 deserves it. He is um uh you know whosoever uh can is lift worthy. his hammer is worthy. Yeah. yeah. And he yep. is worthy. So him and uh Thor battle And instead of giving one of them the hammer, Odin creates a second hammer, and that's the birth of Beta Ray Bill. Um, Also, the Ragnarok story occurs where uh, Sunter, uh, whatever his name is, uh, uh, initiates Ragnarok and and the death of Odin and uh, the Battle of the Midgard Serpent and all that is in there. It's just a really great time in Thor comics. If you have a chance to pick up any issues... Of Thor, Walter Simonson worked on. It is totally worth it for a good price.
0: That is awesome, dude. I like that story. I need to read that. Like that guy was attached to so many great runs, so many great stories. That's uh, I'm I'm ashamed that I haven't read any of it.
1: And yeah, even even Walter Simonson uh, even did a run on. Fantastic Four. Um, that that's kind of epic. I mean, it's a time universe hopping uh, a story. It's it's a little uh, little discombobulated at times, but it's it's pretty good. And his art's great. Uh, his Doctor Doom is really good. Just Walter Simonson. Check him out. Look up some of his art, and uh, uh, check out some of the stories. I, I, anytime you see a comic with him in it, pick it up if it's a good price.
0: That's awesome. Well, you mentioned the word discombobulated, and that makes me want to tell my story of a documentary I seen this week. I I finally got caught up, and I watched the documentary, The Death of Superman Lives.
1: And, okay, so So this is... This is the movie with Nick Cage as Superman that never happened, correct? This is the
0: movie with Nick Cage as Superman, and it never happened. From what you learn in the documentary, this was started being an idea around 98 or 99. That's how long this story, uh, how far back this idea went. And from what I understand, John Peters... Who was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser is a producer, and he gets to milling around. He has people digging through like copyright stuff and all this uh, for Warner Brothers, and realizes that Warner Brothers is about to lose Superman. So he up and buys it. He has it. he's waiting on it. The day it goes out, he pounces on it, jumps it, and then he calls Warner Brothers and says hey, let's do a Superman movie. And they're like, we're not going to do a Superman movie, and besides, we own Superman. And he's like, no, you don't. Check. So Warner Brothers realizes that they let it flip on uh, Superman, and so John John Peters is in the uh, driver's seat. And this guy... This guy's crazy. He's uh he's a little bit special. Y'all need to do- watch this documentary so you understand what I'm saying. Um, he started off with three writers. And when he was interviewing the people that were going to be involved in this thing, man, he would literally ask them if they've read a comic book. And if their answer was yes, they were not picked to be a part of this movie.
1: That'll make your stomach turn.
0: He uh, Kevin Smith. Now Kevin Smith's uh, quite a bit involved in the documentary, and we've you know I, I want to tell the whole story. So if, if nobody's familiar as I am with Kevin Smith, I've watched all of his stand up, all of his Q and A's and stuff. He tells this story where he talks about the first time he met with John Peters about writing this script, and. In the documentary, I will say John Peters denies that this story is true, and Kevin Smith says that it is 100% true. So, watch the documentary, make your choices for yourselves. Uh, I'm going with Kev on this one. And the, the three things that he, John Peters said he wanted was: number one, Superman can't fly; he doesn't want to see him fly at all. Number two, no suit. No Superman suit. None at all. Don't want any part of it. And three, he has to fight a giant spider in the third act. Now, <clears throat> I, I I wrote a huge page, half page of these notes, and I can go on about all the craziness that happened. Um, Tim Burton got involved as the director at one point in time. Tim Burton's actually the person that fired Kevin Smith. Let me uh, just... Be brief about it. The Here's a lineup of what their potential castings were going to be. They were going to have either Sandra Bullock or Courtney Cox be Lois Lane. Chris Rock was cast as Jimmy Olsen. Christopher Walken was going to play Brainiac. <laughs> and I thought this one was funny. Uh, Kevin Spacey was going to play Lex Luthor.
1: <laughs> I'm still... Sorry, I'm still on Christopher Walken. Superman. Your father. He gave me this watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I just can't imagine the way this movie would play out. And what what I realized from watching this documentary is there are so many people behind the scenes that do enormous amounts of work. I'm talking years worth of labor to get a movie even To present it to the point of, buy this movie. Let us make this movie. They did years worth of work up to this point. And, you know, obviously Warner Brothers did not want to play that movie. Um, They had a run of really, really, really bad movies. The documentary covers that. And talks about how they just weren't willing to make a risk. But this thing was going to have everything from... The flying skull ship to the menagerie was going to be in the back of that, which was just going to have a whole host of different monsters. They hired an entire team just to build nothing but monsters. Uh, It was just going to be—I don't know what it was going to be. The—I will say this: the Kevin, or excuse me, the (coughs) Nick Cage picture that we've all seen—that is horrible with the translucent suit. Right. That doesn't do it justice. You need to watch the documentary so you get the whole picture on how this suit was going to be made. I feel horrible for the people that built this thing because while I don't know if it was going to be a good Superman suit, the amount of technology that they put forth building such a crazy freaking suit, you should see how this thing is built, was just amazing. Like, I truly feel they probably spent you know, months, half a year on building just that freaking suit. And, uh, it was funny though. The, uh, you you can, while you're watching it, you can watch, uh, footage. They play footage of when they're doing the suit testing with Nicolas Cage while they're doing it. The people standing around them are making fun of comic book nerds. Nice. Like that's how comic booky this movie was going to be. It, it's just a crazy documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. You should check it out. Um, it's online in quite a few places where you can watch it for free if you so choose. And uh, you did definitely need to check it out, man. It's a strange one.
1: I'll have to do that sometime. Um, local Hall. Now, this week I did not skip on the Local Nice. Hall. Um, I was able to head out, uh, my, my local spot for comics I've been picking up. They had some new stuff in, uh, apparently they had a female collector sold some comics because all six comics I got this week are all female themed comics. I got two, uh, really nice issues of Spider Woman that are 35 cents, like number 10 and number 12. Uh, Miss Marvel, number 15 and 16. Number 16 has a beautiful cover by Dave uh, Cop- Cochran and Terry Austin of uh, X-Men fame. And I actually picked up two DC books. I picked up DC DC Showcase Presents Power Girl. Um, very interesting. <laughs> I did not realize that in the 70s you could draw women... Uh, Like this and sell it to children. So, (laughs) are
0: you are you serious?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very, very sexualized. So I was like, holy crap!
0: I gotta see. Now I'm gonna be like, hey dude, hook me up with one of
1: those Power Girls. (laughs) Weird. It was very weird to read those. I was like, whoa, what? I can see why they sold. I guess, but Um, also I did pick up uh, just today went by uh, the Cersei Walmart, and they had a book I've spoken about on the podcast, uh, The Art of Atari. Oh, you got it. Yes, a very nice coffee table book, uh, very in-depth. It has a foreword by the guy that wrote uh, Ready Player One, and very in-depth history of Atari, of designing uh, the systems, the games, the art, just a really, really good package. Worth every penny, if you're a video game person or an art person, w- worth every bit of it. I- I've I've thumbed through it like nine times already, <laughs> and I've read about three or four articles. Um, it's just a very beautiful thing to have. Uh, and also, I did pick up uh, the Loyal Subjects Masters of the Universe uh, blind box figure. I got a He-Man. Uh, nice. I'm not usually one one for these. Like these are a lot like pop vinyls to me. Uh, there is a run of Robotech ones I really did like, and I, I have three of the Veritechs of those. But this is the He-Man. I was hoping to get a Skeletor or a Triclops or a Trapjaw, but I ended up with He-Man, and it's it's okay. It's very posable. Uh, comes with his shield, sword, and and uh, axe accessory that the original toy did. Uh, the style I do kind of like and it's just a neat little thing to have i i, I recommend these um, uh, they were around 12 bucks which is normal for that those those rubber were the were about that price i, I would it. i would recommend you know if they were nine like the pop vinyls which this is a lot smaller than a pop vinyl um nine under ten dollars this would be a bargain
0: that's awesome dude i almost bought a couple of those. But instead, uh, I did buy. I, I do have local haul this week, and uh, I went by Walmart and bought some more pops. But 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 I, but I limited myself to just four.
1: <laughs> just four.
0: Yes, I now have Majin Buu, Krillin, uh, Future Trunks, and Gohan.
1: Nice, your boy. Yes.
0: Yeah, I knew, dude. I had to get Gohan. That's my boy. But I was able to go to Collector's Edition comics yesterday. I went to, actually. I went to both their locations: the one up on JFK and the one on Treasure Hill, off of uh, Rodney Parham. And both those stores were extremely helpful, and I picked up a couple of books. I got Monsters Unleashed which came out this uh, previous week, and I actually sat down and read it. Very interesting. I am excited to see where this goes. There, Every character you can imagine that's extremely active right now in the Marvel Universe made an appearance in that book. Just incredible. Looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I caught up on my moonshine, but I haven't read that yet. I was able to pick up a lock and key, number one, from IDW. And, let's see, I picked up a fun one because, you know, I'm getting back into image. And uh, this always draws me in. I haven't read it yet. It's Spawn Kills Everyone, number one. And on the front cover is Spawn attacking, looks like, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and several other superhero hands are sticking up. I can't tell who the rest are. But I found... Dude, did you know they brought back Tales from the Crypt? No. Yeah, I, I bought Tales from the Crypt number one. And I'm excited. I don't know if it's a like an actual redoing or if they're just retelling the same stories. Because I never was able to read Tales from the Crypt back in the day. So I picked that up. I picked up an Archie comic. How fitting. Except this is Afterlife with Archie. It is an Archie horror story.
1: Yeah, that came out uh, a year, year and a half ago. Are you, are you unfamiliar with that? Yeah,
0: I'm unfamiliar with it. Dude, I picked it up. I was like, what the heck? A horror Archie, karmic?
1: I have to read this. Oh, yeah. That was really popular for a while. I got to check that
0: out. And then lastly, I did pick up, just because it's so metal, uh, Slayer number one, and it is the band Slayer has a comic. It's the way it looks like. It may not be directly tied to the band, but it's awesome. And that
1: completes my haul for this week. Sweet. Now, let me talk about Have You Seen It? We're going to change this up a little bit because we're having an abridged episode because the Super Bowl has started, and I'm going to watch it. Um, Have You Seen Coneheads? Absolutely, man. I freaking love the Coneheads. Uh, you know, early Chris Farley, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Coneheads was a skit I loved on Saturday Night Live. The movie, when it came out, I was like, whoa, what? They're pulling that out of the bag? What uh, is this going to work? That movie is hilarious. Love it. France, we are for France.
0: Oh, I just love it, and... let. With- it has a soundtrack that will get stuck in your head for days. Narfalgarfart. Garfart. Such a good movie. Oh, so, like you said, we're doing an abridged, so you have the Have You Seen It, and I'm going to take the Don't See It this week. And I'm going to say it's a new movie that I got to watch this past week, and rather than doing a review... And telling you how not to, or how good it is, I'm going to tell you not to see it. And that is the new Blair Witch movie. Oh. I know. I'm sad. I went into it wanting to watch it. You remember well, when let me, we discussed the first one. Let I me, stood up for the second one. I even stood up for the second one. Is it and as I'm bad saying, as the this,
1: second one or worse?
0: Look, here's what I'm going to say. And it's kind of spoilery. If you watched the first movie, you've seen the new one.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> hmm. Well, the same. Uh, the same could be said for episode seven, but I mean,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. This is listen. A group of kids goes camping. They get lost. Creepy stuff starts happening at night. People go missing, and they run out in the woods in the middle of the dark, looking for their friends. And they find a house. Sound familiar? Oh, Very. did I describe the first movie? Or the second one. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's all the same. I, I was extremely disappointed. I wanted modern technology to bring forth some new scary stuff that we hadn't seen. It was just playing the exact same fiddle. I mean, just they just retold the same story with different people. It. I was disappointed it wasn't that great.
1: Hmm. I had no expectation whatsoever for Blair Witch so I don't care. I've seen it.
0: Well man, uh I will say this, so it is on recording. Down with the Patriots. Go Falcons tonight. Go
1: Falcons. Now, time...
0: Go Falcons. Yeah, I'm the...
1: sorry. If you're a Patriots fan, I have no sympathy for you. That's like being a Yankees fan or going to the uh casino and cheering for the house. I mean, it's uh what are you doing? <laughs> Find another team. It's just
0: team. not fun. Ah, yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. All right. So, uh, you can find me at Maynard98.
1: You can find both of us on Twitter at NotSoSouthernG's. You can find me at Ricky Westbrook on Twitter. You can search NotSoSouthernGentleman on Facebook. You can find me, Prime Studio on Instagram. And I think I've seen a couple of followers. Shoot me some information. Shoot me some images. I want to see that stuff let's go heck yeah man that's awesome i love weeks when we
0: have interaction with the fans and uh, the or the listeners of this show it is just so much fun like the i know several of the people that listen to it and they're such good people and just keep spreading the word tell your friends let's get this out there and see how many more nice awesome people we can meet for not so southern gentlemen i'm sean i'm ricky go falcons
1: go falcons